Amen. Church, good morning. Good morning. Hey, our God is good. He's beautiful. He is powerful. He's amazing and he's wonderful. And he's the reason we can be here today together. Uh, so amen to that. And uh, I'm excited this morning. My name is uh, Scotty. I'm the youth pastor here uh, at MVC. And I get the opportunity this morning to read the Bible with you and talk a little bit about uh, what it means and what it's trying to say and break it down a little bit. So we are actually finishing our Even Though series this morning. Uh, we've been working through the book of Philippians, and today we're going to be taking all of chapter 4, which is the end. So if you go looking for Philippians chapter 5, well, first, let me know if you find it, uh, but second, you won't find it. So we're finishing off the series today, so uh, you can open your Bibles over to Philippians chapter 4, uh, and we'll get started. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to get into it. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you that you are good and that you are powerful and wonderful and beautiful, and that you have no rival. And amongst all of your beauty and power, Lord, you still reach down and want relationships with us. We thank you for that. Lord, we love you. We praise your name. Amen. All right, so we are in Philippians chapter 4, which means we are going to be tackling um, one of the most famous verses in the Bible, which is Philippians 4.13, which is, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Now, when we usually see this verse used, there is a kick about to be kicked into the goal or the field goal or a shot about to be shot in the last second of the game, or there's an interview coming up, or there is a test coming up that maybe we did or didn't study for, and then this phrase is uttered, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. So then we have to enter into the time of whatever we're talking about, and then it either does go our way or doesn't go our way. And one of two things can happen based off of these results. If it does go our way, we might, man, God is good. I knew it. I knew God was good, and he's got me. Or it doesn't go our way at all, and we go, well, God, what in the world? Where were you? I thought I can do all things through you. Or uh, maybe I don't have enough faith, or um, oh, there's no... It's all good. We're going to keep going with this. I, I hear the popping too. Um, we're just going to keep rolling this morning. So uh, we either think maybe I don't have enough faith. I don't have enough. I didn't pray well enough this morning. I didn't uh, worship hard enough last Sunday. And so now we're stuck in this place where it didn't go our way. And we're like, so what are we supposed to do with that? Or at one point uh, when I was early high school, I reread this verse, and I looked at it and said, well, that can't be fully true, because if it was fully true, my life would be going a lot different. I wouldn't have flunked that math test. My sports game would have gone a little different. You know, maybe my friend group wouldn't have enough, as much drama or whatever, so that can't fully be true. So does that mean that there's other spots in the Bible that aren't fully true? So it puts us in this weird spot. And this is what happens when we start to take verses completely out of context in the Bible. Um, when we just kind of pluck a verse out and we say, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, it can start to create some very interesting questions and some very interesting problems that we might have as we are going throughout our life and throughout our faith and throughout our walk with Christ. And so it is very, very important 
that we dive into the Word, and when we do, we study the whole Word. We've been going through this book of Philippians. We know that the Philippians have sent a lot of money and supplies and food to Paul through Epaphroditus, and that Paul is currently in jail writing this, right? And he wrote a letter back to the Philippians that was delivered back to them. There's encouragement in this book and, and all this kind of stuff that we've covered over this series. And so we have to look at the whole chapter and the whole book before we start to understand this verse that we might pluck completely out of context. So it's very, very, very important that we are in our words, not only together here at church, but apart. And now in saying this, I don't want to um, say this and, and not have everybody equipped. So I do want to ask the question, and if, you, if anyone's bold enough, does anybody here not have a Bible like at all? And, I'm, and, and maybe it's just one that you can't read because there's a lot of thous and theys and old English language. I just want to make sure that we're covering you guys as a church, that when we say like, hey, go home and read your Bibles, like, are you guys, are we equipped? I can sort of see people. If there is anybody that doesn't have one, I have a couple Bibles for you this morning. Um, so if you don't and you're saying like, I would really actually love to do that, I just don't have one at all or I don't have one that is really all that easy to read, um, let me know after service. I've got a couple Bibles for you. Um, so we're gonna be opening to Philippians chapter four. Uh, we're going to be starting in verse 4, and I want to kind of break this whole chapter down so we get a good idea of what Philippians 4.13 means and what Paul is trying to write and say throughout this whole chapter. So verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put in practice, and the God of peace will be with you. So this is the first half of what we're going to be covering today. And Paul starts it out by saying, reminder, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Even he repeats it. I will say it again, rejoice. And that is to show emphasis, to show importance. And this is not the only verse that, that says something like this. There's multiples throughout the whole Bible, but you can look at 1 Thessalonians 5. It says, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. James chapter 1, another kind of famous verse that we look at of consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So consider it joy, rejoice, praise, worship. Psalm 118, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. We have a song that we sing pretty regularly with here in this community of MVC that we sing on Sunday mornings that, that says that, you know, comes right out of that verse. And so we have to look at, okay, rejoice always. I will say it again, rejoice. And it is, it does have to do with worship on a Sunday morning, but it just has to do with our attitude and worship and, and joy in the Lord outside of this place as well. It should be able to engage our mind and the truths about God and our will and surrendering and sacrificing towards Him and even our emotions, 
right? As much as we can get frustrated at um, our sports games or our families uh, or uh, the news or whatever that brings up those emotions, right? Engaging with God should bring up emotions as well, and we should always be open and honest with him about what those emotions are, right? But in this aspect, we're talking about the idea of rejoicing and bringing joy. And so, yes, that seems hard, but at every time that I see something like this in the Bible, and we're going to see another one where it says, don't be anxious, but right here it says, rejoice always. I always ask, why should I be able to rejoice always? Why shouldn't I ever be anxious? Why should I not fear? And I'm reminded of, well, first off, we have been given the greatest gift that will ever be given the existence of ever in terms of eternal life through Jesus, um, and that should cause some rejoicing, right? But also just his consistent blessings in our life, taking things that would be bad otherwise and working them for good in, in his timing and in his way. And it might, always not, it might not always be in our timing or exactly what we want. And we're going to get to that a little bit later in this message. But we should be able to rejoice always because even though the bills might hit, um, or uh, the sicknesses hit, or the injuries hit, or relationship breaks, or the car breaks, <laughs> or the job goes away, or whatever it might be in our lives that hits, we should be able to rejoice always because we have relationship with Jesus. I've always said, I don't know how people who don't know Jesus do it. To go through life and get hit by all that life has to do and they just don't have the hope and the peace and the grace and the mercy and the comfort of being in a relationship with I don't understand it. We get that privilege and it is of no doing of our own. We were not good enough is because God loves us and reaches out to us and calls us to him and we get to respond to that. But we should be able to rejoice always. Rejoicing is not contingent upon favorable circumstances, but it is an attitude that we can choose in every situation. Paul here emphasizes the importance of this message by repeating the phrase, rejoice in the Lord, and our joy is not found in temporary circumstances, but the unchanging and unfailing nature of the Lord. When we cultivate a spirit of rejoicing, we become a testimony of God's faithfulness, pointing others to the source of joy. pointing others to the source of joy. There is a very interesting old English definition of the word rejoice that literally was more about others. And when you see others um, in a spot where they might be sad or mad or frustrated or down in any way, you would say, I'm going to go rejoice them, which literally meant to kind of pick them up to feed them joy. And we don't really use this word for that anymore, but I feel like that is also another key aspect of this is when we rest in the Lord and rejoice in him and find comfort in that, and it's not contingent on how well we think things are going in our life, but, in, but it's, it's resting in his peace and his grace and mercy, we can then take our cup that is being filled by him and pour it onto others that may need it and bring them up, bring them up in joy, bring them up in celebration, or just bring them up in support and comfort for them. So rejoice always. I will say it again, rejoice. He continues in verse 5, says, let your gentleness be evident to all. 
Uh, if you guys are reading your Bibles and it says reasonableness, it's, it's kind of just a translation thing. So gentleness and reasonableness, I like to look at these words as not fully synonymous, but if you are able to rest in God and, and have the reason and understanding that he gives us, we can be more gentle because we aren't as antsy and whatever. But he says, let your gentleness or in some of your uh, translations, it says reasonableness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. So he starts to turn towards, we just kind of talked about prayer or worship and rejoicing, and now he's turning towards prayer. And when we pray, we should not be anxious. Well, why? Well, because he's near. He's near to us. He wants to be close with us. He wants relationship with us. And... So therefore, he is near. So we need not be anxious. He's undefeated. Uh, he's powerful. He's good. So we don't need to be anxious in, in life because we know we have the greatest teammate we could ever ask for. Then he says, in every situation, not just some, not just when we feel like it, not just at church on Sundays, not just you know, when we're praying with our family, but in every situation, with prayer and petition, and with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. I always feel like I personally miss that and with thanksgiving part whenever I'm in a season of like, like real intense prayer about requests that I have. Of like, I forget to say, God, thank you for how you've already blessed me up to this point. And I forget to look at all he's done in my life. And, and completely forget to say, thank you for that. And I just kind of focus in on what I want in that moment. <laughs> and it's, he starts to make this shift of our attitude and prayer. And he continues. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so this section of 5, 6, and 7 kind of shifts our mindset on how we ought to pray. When we are truly praying in the right mindset, we gain, it just said, the peace of God transcends all understanding. And this divine peace is not necessarily dependent on worldly circumstances or on how we are perceiving what is going on around us, but it is a supernatural, unexplainable gift from God. And as we surrender our anxieties uh, and our worries, as we surrender our celebrations and excitement over to Him, and share it with him, we then can experience his profound peace that only he can provide, that we aren't going to find in anything else that this world has to offer. His peace is good. And also, in this theme so far, we have rejoicing, we have worshiping, and prayer, which is all acting in surrender of letting go of things right? Being on the team with God, right? And saying, you are the one that is involved in all of this. And that is the big shift of what he says. That peace, he will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And there is a shift here of saying, instead of being self-minded, I'm going to become kingdom-minded. He will guard our hearts. He will guide us along the way. And it is not, at that point, prayer does not become an aspect of, hey God, here are my wants and desires 
and what I think I want to happen with my life and my plan and my everything. Will you please, it's not like Shark Tank, right? Hello, sharks. Uh, this is what I want for my life. I'm looking for an investment of this much, da-da-da-da-da, whatever it is. And they, you know, then God either says, you know, yes, I want in or no. God is good. He loves us. He's full of grace and mercy and forgiveness, but he only funds his plans. So we can, as much as we want, say, this is exactly what I want, God. I want this. I want this. I want this. These are my wants. These are the desires. Can you fund it? Can you make it happen? Instead, when we are kingdom-minded, we say, all right, God, I do have these wants and desires and these things that I, I want to chase after and these requests, um, but you are the author of this story. This is your story. You are the one at the center of my life. So what do I do with these requests in light of what you are doing in your kingdom. It might be chase after them with all you've got and I will show you my provision and provide and help you along the way. It might be a realization through the peace of God that transcends all understanding when we are praying in our kingdom-mindedness. That's not it. We're supposed to stray away from that. We're supposed to kind of leave that aside and sacrifice, and sometimes that hurts. It might be, this is sort of close. (laughs) We have the right idea here, but maybe, you know, God has some extra pieces here or there that's always going to be better for some things that, that might change. It might be, hey, these wants and desires that you have are just a tool to help you grow in something. It could be a lot of different things. But when we pray with a mind of being kingdom-minded, we can't ever then say, God never answers my prayers. Over here, when we are uh, only focused on our wants and desires, we can say, God never answers this. Or maybe the more correct way of saying this is, God didn't give me what I wanted. When we are over here, we will always receive an answer when we are praying with his kingdom in mind. It just might not be exactly the answer we're wanting at that time, but it's okay because we know that God is good and he loves us and he's full of grace and mercy and he wants relationship with us. We can trust and know and have peace in the fact that he's got it all under control. And so we can't say that he doesn't answer our prayers because he will answer it. It just might not be exactly what we wanted, but that's okay. When we are kingdom-minded, that's okay. He continues in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard in me Practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So we just talked about when we pray, kingdom-minded, we gain his peace and understanding and rejoicing always. We can do that. There's another aspect where he says, also, another way that the God of peace will be with you, stay in tune with God. 
Stay in tune with God. Another way that we've said this is to stay blessable, to be blessable, to stay in walk and in line with God. And when we are walking in, in line with God, we do think about these things. Whatever is wonderful, whatever is worthy of praise, whatever is all of this, right? So when we stay in tune with God, we stay blessable, right? And it's an idea that we see first in the Old Testament and in a bunch of different areas and all throughout the Bible, really. But even the Battle of Jericho, right? Before they go start marching around the walls, they're commanded, go consecrate yourselves, right? Go get things right with God before we do this, right? So that we can be blessable, so we can watch him work, and we know that we're fully in line with him. And once we are fully in line with him, right, and once we are thinking, not, not that we always have to be perfect and we can't ever mess up, but when we are walking with God and thinking about these things, doing these things, it's just an easier way to get closer to him and gain the peace that he has for us. Staying in tune with God, that kind of in tune language comes from our radios or our TV channels, and it, it's kind of like how if there was a really big um, like championship sports game, the, the softball, the college softball and baseball championships, or the college one just ended, the baseball one's still going, right? Uh, the NBA finals are going on. Um, so you've got like those big TV things. There's a lot of TV uh, shows that have finales or series finales or season openers, or just if you want to know a news update for that day, and you're sitting at home and someone walks in and you're like, did you see the result of the game? Or did you see that news update? Or did you see the series finale? And you're like, what? No, I didn't know what. I, I was trying to watch, but I didn't see it. And they're like, what do you mean you didn't see it? And it's, I don't know. And they check what channel you're on and you're on the cooking channel. And they're like, well, maybe should have been on the right channel first, right? Or if you're trying to listen to a certain type of music in your radio, um, you kind of know in the back of your head, all right, if I want pop, it's 94.1, 93.3. If I want country, it's this. If I want Christian music, it's this. If I want this, that, and the other thing, right? But we know where to turn and tune in so we can listen and hear what we need to hear. And our TV channels, we can watch what we need to watch for that. And the same thing is with God, when we're trying to constantly focus and look at maybe some other things in our life, right? Our jobs are very important. Our, our relationships in life are very important. But when that's when we're focused with that, when we're focusing solely on that, we can tend to maybe miss some updates or miss some big things that God might have for us. So we have to stay in tune with him. We have to consecrate ourselves. We have to be blessable. We have to stay blessable. We have to think about those things and act on those things. All right, here it comes. The verse we've all been waiting for. Philippians 4.13. We're going to start in verse 10. I rejoice. Remember, this is Paul writing the Philippians. I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have received your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need. For I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. And in every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger. Now say it with me. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's saying, I've learned 
how to have plenty, how to be hungry, how to have abundance, how to have need, how to have all these kind of things because we can do all these things through Christ who strengthens. And I think that's the beauty of our relationship with Christ. He's not sitting back saying, yes, uh, you are in my family now. Now you're going to have to do this right or else I'm going to love you less or else I'm going to walk away from you or else I'm going to be frustrated and mad and angry at you and kind of kick you out or whatever. It is, hey, I will be with you. I will be the one that strengthens you. And this is what this verse is talking about. The kingdom-mindedness of prayer, being able to rejoice always, being able to be content in every kind of situation. God is saying, I will strengthen you. Paul is saying, he has strengthened me through all these things. I am in jail writing these words, and I can do it. I can spread the gospel, and I can be content because Christ is the one that gives me strength. God will be the one that helps us and strengthens us through these times. He will help you in the times of celebration and in the time of abundance to not only celebrate it well, but also not necessarily lose your head and stay generous um, and stay kingdom-minded and stay selfless. And he will also help us when it is time for the opposite. And there's time of need and time of hunger and time of low times, as Paul explains, And he will strengthen us in all of that so that we will be able to stay content in him, have peace in him, and be able to rejoice always in him. So when we go out, if we want to put Philippians 4.13 on our bumpers or on our Instagram bios or on our social medias, we can. But we can also put it there in the correct manner of saying, God, it is not about I can get what I want because it is you that has strengthens me. It is I can deal with anything because you are the one that gives us peace and love and grace and mercy and understanding, and I can rejoice always in that and be content in that. So that's what Philippians 4.13 says. And that's what Paul is meaning when he writes that. Verse 14, we're in the last section now. Yet it was kind of you to share in my trouble. And you Philippians know yourselves that in the beginning of the gospel, when I left Macedonia, no church entered into partnership with me in giving and receiving, except you only. Even in Thessalonia, you sent me help for my needs again and again. Not that I seek the gift, but I seek the fruit that increases your credit. I have received full full payment and more. I am well supplied, having received from Paphroditus the gift you sent, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God, and my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Here's an awesome part about the Philippians. They knew how to respond to what God was doing. We had a couple of students this year um, that really, really, really wanted to join us at camp. Um, And if it wasn't for some help uh, from the outside, um, they wouldn't have had a chance just to kind of pay for the fees that that come up with camp. Um, And you, church, did an unbelievable, amazing job. For those of you that gave to CIY, I want to say thank you. There are, I think, 
five or six, as I was counting last night, students that now get to go experience God at a, a level that just only happens at camp, right? And it, every single year, it seems like these are life-changing weeks, and these students can now go and participate in that and be a part of that because you responded. You saw the need and what was going on, and you responded. And so I want to say thank you for that. I will also challenge us as a church as a whole that when God moves, when he interacts with us, when we look at Jesus' sacrifice and his love for us and what he did for us on the cross and the resurrection, when the Holy Spirit is constantly calling us and drawing us towards him and giving us path and working, it demands our response of some kind. A response of any kind. As the Philippians saw, what Paul is doing is amazing and it's affecting so many people for Christ. We have to help this. Just in our lives, when we see how God is moving in and around our lives, it demands response. It demands an attitude of worship and celebration and thanks and sacrifice. It demands a change in lifestyle and saying, I will draw closer to you, God. It demands a want to share with others. We should look at this and go, this is insane. I, I never did anything to deserve this. I gotta, I gotta tell someone about this. It demands serving for him. I kind of talked about this a couple weeks ago. Whether it's in this church or in and around our communities in some sort of way, to be able to serve people because we have been served by the King of Kings. And he is calling us to do the same for others, to sacrifice and serve for others. So whether that is within this church or in and around the community, it demands that. Also, a little bit of the uncomfortable one, it demands giving and it demands a financial sacrifice as well. And again, I will say it, whether it's with this church or in and around the communities in some sort of way of helping fund and, and help out with what God is just doing in our world. So like different missionaries, different outreach groups, or maybe it is this church. Maybe it is you, you know, saying like, you know, God, like every Sunday I, I am in this community and it's so cool. And these people that you've placed here are amazing. And I just want to thank you by helping you do whatever it is in this church that you see. Or that missionary that I see is doing amazing work. And I've been blessed by that. And I think who they're like, kind of like what the Philippians did with Paul. What he's doing is amazing, right? So, but it demands also giving in a financial sense too, giving in a time sense, serving. Again, a change of lifestyle, sharing with others, worship, rejoicing. When we encounter God, it demands response because of how good he is. Lastly, very, very quick, the last couple uh, verses. I don't have it on the, the screen, but he just reads, uh, writes to the Philippians, hey, Greet every saint in Christ Jesus. And the brothers who are with me, they all greet you too. Um, and especially the ones that are in Caesar's household, they greet you too. The grace and the Lord of Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Lastly, just be in community. Be involved in Christian community. And I think this week, our church has an opportunity to kind of do two of these things that we've talked about this morning very well. 
the idea of being in community so that we can be encouraged and can be supported by others and whatever. Um, well, if, if you're new or want to get replugged in, we got the softball game today. Uh, so I'll be uh, the captain of uh, the blue team, I think, and Ricky's the captain of the yellow team, and he's going to be up to the plate saying, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And then he's going to strike out. So it's going to be a great day. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun today. Uh, so come join us and be a part of the community. And then this Wednesday, we're going to have our worship night. Come join us and let's rejoice and worship together and respond to who Jesus is and what he's done for us in that way. And then let's continue to respond to him throughout our entire lives and let's continue to remember that we can be content and rejoice always because of who he is. We're going to have a chance right now to respond as a church through our time of communion. Uh, If you didn't get communion on the way in, uh, they're on some tables right in the back of this room, Um, but this is a time to respond to Jesus' sacrifice for us, and and before that sacrifice happened, he sat down with his disciples and said, this is my body broken for you and symbolized the bread, and this is my blood poured out for you and symbolized the cup, and said, take this in remembrance of me, and so right now we get to respond to that sacrifice, say thank you, and move closer to him. And as we go from this place, we get the chance to continue to respond to him in whatever ways that he might be calling you to respond. And as we have our wants and desires, we can align them with him and see if they match with what he's doing or not. And so as we continue from this place, church, I just encourage you to continue to respond and rejoice and stay in community so that when times are hard, it's not just us trying to do it by ourselves, but there's people around us to encourage and lift us up. So Jesus, we just thank you for who you are. Thank you that because of you, we can do all of these things. We can have peace. We can stay content. We can worship. We can rejoice. We can have a community of people around us. And we can do all of these things through you because you strengthen us. So Lord, as we have this time of remembering and responding to what you did, Lord, I pray that you put on our hearts the things of your kingdom. us to stay in community and to stay close to you. Lord, we love you. We praise your name.